paid good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. no adult doll with which a child could truly dream her dreams of her future. You are a very clumsy prince. You know I'm not marrying you. I am absolutely positive that there are a ton of people out there doing kinkier things with their Barbies than we do. This is Francie. She was the first official black gal put out as a cousin of Barbie. She did not go over big. I have dolls that are gay. I have dolls that are straight. I have dolls that have never had relationships. Then I have some that are falling in love. Nobody's divorced yet. They all switch around all the time. It's very open. You know, there aren't a lot of rules. I've had one since I was a kid. She's a wonderful thing, and I love her. I think I'll take her. Goodbye. <laughs> Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with Susan Stern. She's the director of Barbie Nation. It is the unauthorized story of Barbie. Though the film is having its 25th anniversary, it is still a very fresh look at the Barbie phenomenon and a great primer for any films that might be coming out this summer that have anything to do with Barbie. It's now streaming. Hope you enjoy the movie and I hope you enjoy the interview. Before we even talk about Barbie Nation, can you tell me your background? I was a journalist. I was an investigative reporter. My last newspaper was the Oakland Tribune, and my last television station was the CBS affiliate in San Francisco, and that led me to start making documentaries. My late husband was an underground cartoonist. I have another film out called Bad Attitude, The Art of Spain Rodriguez. And he was part of that scene. And so a good friend of ours was Terry Zweigoff, who made the film Crumb. And my late husband, Spain, was in the Crumb movie. So I was around that and I thought, gee, Terry, who had been working at the welfare office, if he can make a documentary, I bet I can make a documentary. And Barbie Nation, which is being re-released in the new director's cut, was my first film. What brought about Barbie Nation? That I have to blame on my daughter. <laughs> she was four and a half years old. Somebody gave her a Barbie doll. It wasn't me. And then you put Barbies in a dark place and they begin to breed in the dark and you open up the cupboard and suddenly you have 20. You thought you had one. You have no idea how they got there, but 
she had one Barbie doll and it was being jealous of a different Barbie doll. And I said to her in my best feminist voice, Nora, women don't have to be jealous of other women. And she just looked at me and said, how about if first we play what I want to play and then we can play what you want to play. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. And I told it to other people and then they told me their Barbie stories. And then I had to just get a camera and get them all down. What is your Barbie story? Mike, there's really only two types of people in the world. There's the Barbie glorifiers and the Barbie defilers. And apparently I was just hear hearing about some European politician who got into trouble because she revealed that she was a Barbie defiler and I was a Barbie defiler, which meant that as a little girl, I was six, I got the very first Barbie doll. I first did was cut off her ponytail and then her hair was only rooted around the edges of her scalp. And so her head was completely bald. So it just fell down and she was bald. And that was, it was a traumatizing event for me. Was that your only Barbie or did you get more? That was my only Barbie. Then they got me some other doll and I dislocated her hip. I don't know what, it wasn't me. I didn't mean it. But again, in Barbie Nation, we've got all these people who did things to their Barbie dolls, boys. They would talk about throwing the Barbie doll up in the tree and shooting it. Another boy blew it up with cherry bombs. I think there's something very powerful about this doll that brings out all sorts of things in us. So tell me about the making of the original version. How, you told me a little bit about how it came about. You pick up the camera, you start recording these stories, but you go all over the place with somebody. You've got the whole conventions, all of these things. How did you even approach this huge subject? Yeah, I'm an investigative reporter. So I got hold of it and I started meeting Barbie dealers. Sandy Holder is a Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area dealer. She's in the film. She's still dealing Barbies. She introduced me to people. I got involved with the San Francisco Barbie Doll Club. They introduced me to people. The next day, it just built. And then, and then I had this, with this film, this incredible reporter's karma, where I went to Mattel when I was first making the film, and they said, first of all, we're not making a film about Barbie. Back in the day, they didn't want to do that. And you're not either. <laughs> But I consulted lawyers and they said I could do it. And then I ran into Mattel people at one of these Barbie conventions and we hit it off and they gave me access. They gave me access to the old Barbie doll commercials. They let me come to their own Barbie doll festival where I met Ruth Handler, the inventor of Barbie and the founder of Mattel. She and I hit it off. And one thing just led to another. One of the incredible things in the film is the notorious Barbie doll x-ray. And that was one of my favorite karma stories because I was at some bus stop and I just tend to talk to people. I'm making a film about Barbie and someone said, have you seen the Barbie x-ray? And I said, no. And it turned out that there was this x-ray that was in a file in a healthcare facility that I obviously won't name. And they said, everybody knows about it that works there. And they smuggled my camera person into the hospital and we put the x-ray on a light table and got an image of it. Sometimes the universe whispers to you, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Ruth just herself is such a fascinating figure outside of what she did with Barbie, but all of the work at Mattel and all the toys. What a fascinating person. Ruth Handler, she was amazing. I'm, I love the fact that in Barbie Nation, you get the love story between Ruth and her husband, Elliot, because she was the business. 
person behind Mattel. And she came up with the idea of Barbie based on a German sex style the family saw on vacation in Europe. But her husband, Elliot, he was really the artist. And he invented Hot Wheels, which was the toy for boys. And he did these sculptures in Lucite. And he's in the film as well. And they even invited their daughter, Barbara Siegel, who Barbara is inspired by. And she's in the film as well, which is amazing. So what happens after the original version is complete? One of the big regrets of my life was that in 1997, when we made the original version, I did quite an extensive interview in two different places with a woman named Marcella who collected Black Barbie dolls. And I got really into the story of Black Barbie and Black dolls, and it got so big, we couldn't fit it into the film. And so we didn't put it in the film. And I always regretted that. There's a new film out right now, just coming out, called Black Barbie, which really does tell the whole story that I wanted to tell. And with that film out, I went back myself personally and cut our Black Barbie section back into the film. So the 25th anniversary director's cut is different because it has this section in it. And whereas it doesn't tell the whole story of Black Barbie, it tells some of it. And so I'm very happy with that. Was it? the Greta Gerwig film coming out that made you decide to do this? Or were you like, oh, I've always wanted to do this and this is just a good opportunity? I've always wanted to do it because Barbie Nation was created in 1998 pre-streaming. So it wasn't streaming. It had a big life in colleges and universities. I'll run into people now who says, wait a minute, I studied that film in women's studies or LGBT studies or gender studies because the film speaks to all those things so much. They saw it in college, but it never had any popular viewing. It wasn't streaming. And so when I heard the Greta Gerwig film was coming out, I thought, okay, this is my chance. Let me see if I can get this out. Because it's such a great companion to the Greta Gerwig film, because I think the Greta Gerwig film seems amazing, but they have to wink at everything. They're really on this tightrope of making a PG-13 film for kids And yet it's wink, wink, what are Barbie and Ken doing at night? Whereas Barbie Nation, it's like, we go there. We, you know, where the Gerwig film winks, Barbie Nation doesn't blink. It goes into all of the things people do with Barbie. Other than cutting in the Black Barbie stuff, what else did you do with the 25th anniversary? We tried to clean it up a little bit. It is in SD format. Boy, that seemed great at the time. And of course, it's different. It's a different, it's the four by four aspect ratio. But we tried to clean up the titles and other things a little bit to compensate for the fact that it is a classic film. The format is quaint to go back and look at something from 98. But then the subject matter does feel like it's so fresh. It feels like that, but it's also, it feels like an island of sanity. I just occurred to me the other day, rewatching Barbie Nation, that there's a fashion show in it, and people who are into Barbie do these elaborate fashion shows where people make Barbie costumes for themselves and then wear these costumes and do a fashion show. There's a very beautiful one. It's filmed at a Barbie convention in Birmingham, Alabama, and people wear these clothes. And in this fashion show, There's people of all shapes and sizes. There's a child modeling in the fashion show. And there's a cross-dressing couple modeling in the fashion show. And it's okay. How about that? Nobody died. 
no children are harmed. People can just get along. And these days, it just feels, you know, these haters are coming out and just making it hard. Where all did you go to make the documentary? You just talked about Alabama. I know you shot stuff around the Bay Area. Where else did you go? We went to Birmingham, Alabama for this Barbie convention. We went to Orlando, Florida for the big Mattel Barbie doll convention that was there. We went all over the San Francisco Bay Area. And we went to Los Angeles, of course, to shoot at Mattel headquarters. Mattel invited us in and we filmed their publicity people. We filmed in their headquarters in Los Angeles. We also filmed Ruth and Elliot Handler in their Los Angeles penthouse. We had a wonderful former marketing person for Mattel, and he was in Los Angeles. And this is, again, before Kickstarter or Indiegogo or any of these platforms. How are you funding this? We made it for very little. I made it with, I was a student. I had been, a, as I said, a newspaper reporter. I had worked for the CBS affiliate in San Francisco, and I went back to school at San Francisco City College to learn video production because newspapers were dying. I was at the beginning of, it was at the beginning of that time when my newspaper that I worked for, the Oakland Tribune, went bankrupt. And so we just did it as students. That's how we began Barbie Nation, just Trish and I. We borrowed equipment from the, you know, film and television department at San Francisco City College. And we just went out and did it. So it didn't cost anything. After that, we got some grants from Women in Film, the Pacific Pioneer Foundation, but we made it really out of shoestring. I tend to think of newspapers dying later than when you were making this movie. But then I remember even here in Detroit, we had the joint operating agreement where it was the free press and the Detroit News operating as one. They couldn't afford to run two newspapers. So I guess it was the internet really was the nail in the coffin and not necessarily the whole cause of the decline of newspapers. Right. It was Craigslist that began the decline because it took away all the advertising from newspapers. And so it began. So that decline began in the 80s. After Barbie Nation came out, obviously you talked about how people did see it, watch it in school. Where else did it play? It premiered on PBS's POV series, the Point of View series, which was amazing that they put that on. They had me pixelate the penises. <laughs> I had to do that again for it to stream. So nothing has changed in that 25 years. People can't see plastic uh, genitals. And it in broadcasting was still going then. So it played around the world on television and it did many festivals. It won the Golden Spire for Documentary at the San Francisco International Film Festival. It premiered at the South by Southwest Film Festival. It was sold out in all of these places. I feel very lucky that I got to see an unpixelated version. Oh, yes. I'm glad you did, too. I'm sure it's damaged you, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Between seeing people cross-dressing and then plastic penises, I'm probably going to go shoot up the office. I don't know. <laughs> what I said to the person at PBS when they said to me, a man called me and he said, I'm sorry, Susan, we're going to have to pixelate the penises. I said, that's probably a good idea because we don't want little girls to grow up to think that they're all really that big. <laughs> he did laugh. But yeah. 
So you get that you are now going to be able to stream this. Where all is it going to be playing? Starting today. It starts today. It is, it is live now. It is Barbie Nation is live now on Amazon. It's the Apple TV app and it's on Google Play and it's on Roco's YouTube channel. So if people just go to barbienation.com, all those links are up on our website and that's easy to find. That's fantastic. How about the rest of your work? Where's that at? My other new film, Bad Attitude, The Art of Spain Rodriguez, is also on Amazon. It's on Tubi. That's about to play in Sweden, actually, at a comics festival there. Bad Attitude is fun because I had to deeply censor that because my late husband's work was very explicit. And with that, I put fig leaves on everything. So I have these 38 beautiful fig leaves over everything Bad attitude, the art of Spain, Rodriguez. I don't know. I just like getting into trouble. What else are you working on these days? I'm actually thinking about ways because you may have noticed I've gotten older. I'm actually more interested in amplifying other people's voices now. So I'm looking at some ways to work with younger people on their creative expression and help other people get what they have to say out there. Is there a good place for people to keep up with you and your work online? Yeah, barbienation.com. Barbie Nation, that's where I'm going to be. We're also Barbie Nation Doc or Susan Edith Stern. I'm on social media all over the place. But yeah, Barbie Nation Doc is a place to go. Ms. Stern, thank you so much for your time. This is so great talking with you. Yeah, it was really fun, Mike. Thank you for having me on. Hiya, Bobby. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Dad. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Imagination, life is your creation. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Bye.